0: This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience, community, find hope. Check us out at
1: gatewayfellowship.com. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being a part. You know, today that we gather and celebrate, whether in person or online, stands against the backdrop of a day two days ago, Good Friday, when some thought game over. Some thought game over. Yesterday, Saturday, is Holy Saturday, or it's often referred to by some as silent Saturday, when we just just wait. But then we celebrate this day when Jesus rose from the dead, and he is alive. He is not on the cross, and he's not in the tomb. Amen. Someone said this way, um, you're only going to borrow a tomb if you plan to be there three days. That's all you need to do. And that's exactly what happened. My name's Tom, and I get the privilege of serving on the team here. Thank you again for coming and being a part of this day. You know, there are, there are only a few things, honestly, that I, that I totally dislike. Um, I'm not talking about Ludafist because that, that begins with a no go. That's an automatic no. I know we have some of you out there. That like that stuff. God bless you. Jesus loves you. Anyway, um, but there are some things. So, like one of the things that I dislike very, very much. Uh, my wife and I, you know, we, we do like sushi, but eel sushi. Yeah. That's like a no go. Have you had it? Yeah. Okay, well, don't, <laughs> don't. The other thing that I dislike very much has nothing to do with food. It's this thing called jigsaw puzzles. No, I'm serious, no, I'm serious. Now, um, it, 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 not all jigsaw puzzles. I mean, there are some that I, I can embrace, you know, I can put together um, puzzles like this, like this here. And you know, they got like six pieces to them, right? Or, or something like that, um, and they're not, they're not too hard. Um, but then there are those, those puzzles that, that they got like hundreds and thousands of pieces. And so one day I, I, I told Jen, I go like, okay, I'm gonna do it, we're gonna put together a jigsaw puzzle. And so I went and bought one. I think it had like a thousand pieces or something like that, because that was gonna go big, right? And so we got that puzzle and we put it on our, uh, on our table and we started putting it together. I think we got four corners and it was over. I took that puzzle, and I slid it off the table, and that was it. And I don't even know where that thing is right now at, at all. It, it is gone. And look, I believe in heaven and hell. I do. Eternity with Jesus. But I'm thinking in hell, there's going to be jigsaw puzzles for it. And, and, and what's going to happen is that there's going to be one piece that will forever be missing. And you're going to be search- Not you, right? I mean, not followers of Jesus. But people are going to be searching forever for, this, for this, missing, this missing piece. Do you know... The largest—do you know the largest jigsaw puzzle in the world? It's like sixty thousand pieces. No, totally sixty thousand for sure. Costs eight hundred bucks. It was just released like a couple years ago, and when it was completed, it was completed eight eight feet by twenty-two feet. Who does that stuff? Who does that? Well, here's what I want to draw your attention to. I think that the stories I want to share with you this morning. Are a little bit like that. Because maybe you can relate, because in life, does it sometimes feel like the pieces don't fit? I mean, something happened over here, and you're trying to make sense of what's going on over here, and you go like, that doesn't seem to fit in life right now. You're going like, what just happened? Or or, or maybe it was something unexpected, but something came your way, and your response is like, where does this happen? How does this fit? And I think in three stories I wanna share with you this morning out of the Gospel of John, there are four Gospels, John is one of them. There are three stories and I think that's what we're seeing. Um, People who are going like, how does this fit in the story that we thought that we knew? Here's the first one, Mary Magdalene. So we're gonna talk about Mary Magdalene. Um, What's her story? What's it look like for her as she journeys to the tomb? The disciples were certainly asking that question. What's going on? How does all this fit? And finally, this guy that I really, really like, his name is Thomas, because Thomas, right? Okay, that's, that's my name. So we'll talk about the background. The, the John 20 is Jesus has been, has been crucified. Like I said, some thought, like, this thing is over, game over. And at the request of Joseph, a disciple of Jesus, he was buried in, in a tomb that was, that was in, in the garden. In the garden, the Bible says, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. We know that the Pharisees feared something. They feared, like, look we did our thing and we think that disciples are going to steal his body and they're going to steal his body and then they're going to claim that he he had he was been raised from the dead so we want to make sure that doesn't happen so they received permission um to kind of secure the 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 tomb by sealing it and placing placing a guard there so it, it maybe looked a little bit like this it's just a rendition of it i don't think it was quite quite like that but something like that archaeologists believe that that The the stone that sealed the tomb was actually probably more like a cork, a cork shape, instead of like this round stone. Maybe a cork shape that went in could have been like like that. Um, Some speak of a soft, moldable clay that was a substance um, with the Roman uh, 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 imperial seal imprinted on that. Regardless of of the seal and regardless of what the stone exactly looked like, there were soldiers there to be sure that nothing happened. As if they could stop what was about to happen. I mentioned today I was going to tell you a story about this lady named Mary Magdalene. Um, Let me give you a little background because her life is really, really interesting. Um, Jesus... um, cast out seven demons out of Mary. I mean, she knew what it was like to be held captive by these things. And Jesus comes along and sets her free from this demonic possession that, that was part of her life. And so she became one of, his, one of his followers. So Mary was there during this mock trial of Jesus and heard the sentence of death handed down to the one who had set, set her free. She was, she was a witness um, to the crucifixion. She would have known Jesus in that moment and what he looked like. He, she witnessed his beating and the humiliation and stood near Jesus during that time trying to, trying to comfort him. So there was no doubt in her mind that he had died. She, she, she saw it. She was dead. And so when she arrived at the tomb that Sunday morning, I, I think like the puzzle thing I just shared with you. I think she's going like, something's wrong here. Something doesn't fit. In fact, she kind of said it that, that way, and I wanna just read out of the Gospel of John. Um, I use a digital Bible, and it's also gonna come up on the screen, so you can just follow along if you like. It says this, "Is Mary now. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, John. She said to them, look, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Something's wrong here. Something doesn't fit. The puzzle piece doesn't fit. Like they've stolen his body. Something is wrong. And there was the assumption that grave robbers had come and desecrated the, the tomb. And so we'll get to the story of the disciples in just a moment. But here is here is Mary. And she's, she's standing at the tomb, and in her own world, she, she, she's alone. And she looks in, and the Bible says she stooped in. It wasn't this tomb that you just kind of walked And She stooped in, and she saw a couple angels sitting there. And they have a word for her. They have a, they have a, they have a question for her. And they said this. Um, Mary, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. She wept. She stooped. She looked in. She saw two angels, which seems like that might startle you, but it, it didn't. One was at the head, one was at the body, and they said, "Dear woman, why, why are you crying? What, what's going on here?" And she says, "This. I don't know where they put him." Meaning, like, what's, where is he? I'm trying to fit this in. And then she turned to leave, and she saw someone standing there, and he spoke to her. and says, "Like, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for?" And um, so she goes like, well, this must be the gardener. It was Jesus. Why would she think it was the gardener? I don't know. Some think probably because her last visual of Jesus was on, was on the cross in this state of being beaten and humi- humiliation and all that. And so she didn't, she didn't recognize him. But then Jesus says something. And immediately she knew it was the Lord. He calls her by name. He says, Mary. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. It was in this moment that all of a sudden the story made sense. The pieces all came together. She was alone and all of a sudden she she was reminded that the Lord, that Jesus was there with her. I'm gonna ask you to try to think through some of these stories like where maybe you, you fit because you might actually relate to this thing about being alone. Like for some of us, like maybe we are alone and we think like nobody cares. Um, um, we've had people walk out of our life and we thought they should, should have walked in but they're not there. And you can relate to this story and it doesn't seem like the pieces fit in your life. But here is Jesus calling her by name, there is something about knowing that we are not alone. We are not alone in life. In just a moment, I wanna give you like, what I think Easter's answer to loneliness is. But have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt like there's nobody else around? I remember as, a, as just a young guy, I don't know, I think I was like, I was in school, so I was like nine or 10 or something like that. And I, and I came home and I was alone. And in in that moment, I I can remember mom mom telling all five of her kids, she says, like, you know, Jesus can come at any time when you least expect it. And I would just tell you, the only thing that went through my 10-year-old mind was, it happened. (laughs) And I'm all by myself, right? Like, like, something's something's odd here. I need to do something to fix this. I I couldn't call my older siblings, my sister and my brother, because I knew, like, you know, if. If I'm here, they're they're probably still here too. I don't know, you know, but I I did think about calling my grandma because if anyone's going to go to heaven, it's going to be grandma. So I I called up and hello, click, safe. So grandma didn't know until the day she died who hung up on her, but it was me like, because you're in that moment when you feel alone all by yourself. Here's Easter's answer to loneliness, a personal relationship with the one who has risen from the dead and who never leaves us alone. Never. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, you are never alone, regardless of the situation or the circumstance that you might be in. Mary's response was this, I have seen the Lord. I'm not alone. And suddenly, the peace fit. It made sense. That's the story of Mary Magdalene. But there's a story of the disciples who had a little bit different experience. Read about it again in John chapter 20, verses 3 through 10. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrapping lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside he noticed that the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then they, had, they hadn't understood, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. I don't know about you, but I think you would go home pretty victorious, wouldn't you? I think you'd go home, man, with about floating maybe just a little bit with a fist in the air like we won, we won. Nothing can happen to us now. Nothing. While the disciples were trying to fit this puzzle piece together, here's what they did. They they locked themselves behind closed doors because they were were people who were living in fear. They were behind doors, fearful. Fearful. They they had lost all confidence. One commentator says it this way, and what their, their own lives are going to be like. One commentator says this, they had narrowly escaped arrest with Jesus. They realized that as the disciples of one who was regarded as a dangerous agitator, they would be under suspicion. And they were probably holding a consultation on the best method of withdrawing from the city without attracting the notice of the temple police or the Roman authorities. The doors were locked in fear for for the fear that the Jews would send an arresting detachment for them as they had for Jesus. And and I just wrote in my own notes like they, they should have known. They should have known they had heard Jesus teach. They should have known. He had taught them along the way about what was to come, but they did not understand or were not willing to understand, so they locked themselves away out of fear. Life had taken this twist. It was completely out of their thinking, and maybe this is a story that you relate to. Fear. Fear. We thought it was going to work out this way, but it went this direction. You thought your life was gonna go this way, but suddenly something happened. Mario prayed that. Maybe you've been there, or maybe you are there right now. You gotta love it when a plan comes together. Someone said that, right? But here they were, their, their plan wasn't, wasn't coming together so well. The piece wasn't fitting perfectly like they thought it should and because of that fear had set in. Fear will do that. Fear will cause us to withdraw and isolate ourselves and lock ourselves in. Fear of tomorrow, fear of some, maybe some health issue, fear of the economy that we're in right now and the list could go on and on. Those things that try to sneak their way in To our life. But I want to provide you Easter's answer to the fear that we may face, you may be facing right now. And it's this Jesus steps into our fear and speaks peace. Regardless of the situation or regardless of the circumstance, Jesus is alive and He and it's a peace that goes far beyond our understanding. This is what the Bible says. In verse number 19, that Sunday evening, the disciples were being behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them, and this is what he said, peace be with you. Can you just imagine the setting? They're there. They're behind these doors, and suddenly Jesus is there, and the words he shares is this, peace be with them. And he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side this peace that followers enjoy in all of life is based on the reality of a risen lord it's not based on our own understanding it's not based on our ability to control a situation or not it's completely based on who jesus is who says peace is yours because of who I am, not because of who you are. The disciples would live that out in their life. In fact, all of them would be killed. That peace and that recognition of a risen Lord was so deep within them that all of them, save for one, John, would be martyred for their faith. Maybe this is a story that you find yourself in this morning. Or maybe it's a story of our, our our friend Thomas. So Thomas was not there that moment that Jesus appeared to the other disciples. He was, I don't know, he was away doing, doing something. Can you imagine the disciples trying to explain to Thomas what had happened? Look, we have seen, we have seen the Lord. We saw him. And Thomas going, no, 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 no. I mean, like eight days, right? Eight days. And he's always like, I don't think so. Uh, I'm not real, real sure about that. I mean, unless I see it for myself, unless I put my hands on, on his wounds, like uh, I'm, not, I'm not going there. Maybe in that moment, like going back to our little puzzle thing, maybe in that moment, um, Thomas saying like no, that, that piece doesn't fit. It's not in my thinking. What entered into his life was this thing called doubt. And I want to talk about that for just a moment. What does does doubt look like? What is wrong with doubt? You might expect me to go like, let me tell you everything that's wrong with doubt. And I want to say to you a lot, I don't think anything's wrong with it. I think it's safe to say that as followers of Jesus, at some point we have questions in all of life, Right? Because life is real, and sometimes it's challenging. And like I said, sometimes it just doesn't feel like everything is fitting together like it should. And so maybe we have some doubts. We, we certainly have questions. And, and the words of Thomas are maybe our words even sitting here this moment. Like, I really doubt this thing is true. It, it just doesn't seem to fit. But what if we look at the example of Thomas as an encouragement That Jesus reveals himself to us at the level of our need or the level of our understanding. What if we ask the questions expecting that maybe there's going to be an, an answer. And maybe Jesus would reveal himself to me in a way that I would understand. Kind of interesting that Jesus accommodated Thomas and his doubt. He knew Thomas's weakness just like he knows your weakness, just like he knows, knows my weakness. Thomas had experienced this deep, deep hurt. I mean, the loss of the one that he had followed. His doubt was a result of loss. It was real and it was personal. And Jesus responds to Thomas's doubt and his need to know. And I love that. Because Jesus reveals himself to each and every one of us in the way that we understand. I believe in the way that we need. Listen to the passage out of John chapter 20. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked again. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. It happened again. And he says this, peace be with you. And then just picture the story in your mind. Picture the, what's going on. He turns and he says to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And Thomas's response was, my God. Here's Easter's answer to doubt if you find yourself there or asking questions. God reveals himself to those who seek him. See, I have good news for you. The level of your doubt, or maybe the level of your question, does not change the reality of who Jesus is. I'd like for you to do something this morning and that's to maybe make one of these stories or more, maybe all three of them, personal to you. Where are you? today? Where are you? Are you in that place where you you feel alone? I mean, loneliness has become part of your life. Here's why I want you to know a personal Savior who really knows us. Is our answer to being alone our sense of loneliness? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you relate to that. Maybe fear, and talked about that just a little bit. Maybe fear has entered into your life. Again, it could be anything. Easter's answer is a personal Savior who steps into our fear and offers peace. How about searching? Questions and doubt. There's a personal Savior who understands our doubt and reveals himself to us as we come to him. I love how John concludes this chapter. It says, But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. Does being a follower of Jesus mean that nothing ever goes wrong? The puzzle always comes together. The answer is no. I would never tell you that. If I told you that, hey, if you just become a follower of Jesus... Everything is perfect. Everything will work out. You would say, many of you would say like, yeah, where did you get that from the Bible? Because it's not there. But I can tell you that in all of life, when Jesus is our Lord, he walks with us. We are never alone in life. We can face all of life with the confidence that he knows what we're facing, regardless of the circumstance. And we don't have to let fear come in and we don't have to run away from the hard questions either i've said this way god god can handle your question he really can but as we open up our heart to him and search for him are we doing so ready to hear from him as he reveals himself to us so i want to ask you this simple simple question do you know him do you know him Have you made him Lord of your life? And for those who um, are here week after week, you, you've heard me say this so many times. There isn't a magic prayer or the exact words that you have to say. It's just a heart that believes. John says, "If you just believe, if you just believe." And says, "Jesus, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to place my faith in you. I'm lonely. I might be fearful this morning." I might have some doubts, but I want to trust in you as my Lord and Savior. See Easter's answer to death is life. And when we enter into life with Jesus, it's an eternity promised with Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. Can we stand together? I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you um, in these moments, um, perhaps You are a follower, and perhaps fear has come in. Let's receive that peace from him. Shall we do that? Maybe as a follower, circumstances in life have really come at you hard, and maybe you're wondering, like, God, what's going on here? The pieces don't fit. Be honest with your question. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your moment, and you can just pray along with me. If you offer this prayer up from your heart, you'll be made a brand new person. Easter's answer to death is life. And you can enter into brand new life this morning. So Father, I thank you this, today that as we gather this morning to celebrate, you're not on a cross, you're not in a tomb, you're alive. It's not just this day, it's every day. And we can bring all of our needs and we can bring everything in life that we're dealing with to you and you know, and you understand, we might be that person who feels really lonely today. Would you just remind us again that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you know us by name. We might be standing here in fear, we're home. Fear sneaks in, and I know that it does. Would you just remind us again that you are our peace? Maybe we have all these questions. God, as we search for you, would you just reveal yourself to each and every one I pray? And if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's just a simple prayer. It says, Jesus, I, I believe in you. I just trust in you. I don't got it all figured out. And I have a lot of questions. I want to give my life to you. I want to trust in you. I want to make you Lord. So I ask you to forgive me. I confess my need for you. The Bible says if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us and to make us brand new people. So, Father, we receive that now in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: His light has shone through darker days than this. He's always been faithful. He's always faithful. And even as I walk through the wilderness, standing in the valley, I remember this: He has been faithful. He's always faithful. My help.